0: Tonight on Whiskey Waffle, it's time to talk about the spirits version of sourdough. We're all swingers down here. Yeah, we've got some big swingers. It looks like proper whiskey. Um, But
1: the thing is, does it taste like proper whiskey. That's this episode on Whiskey Waffle, the podcast. I mean, cast. Here comes the magic. (laughs) You're overrating us already, Ted. I like it. Gotta have ambition when you start a podcast. Welcome along, everybody, to... Whiskey Waffle. Hooray! Hooray! My name is Nick.
0: My name is Ted.
1: And we are here sitting in some comfortable chairs with uh, a dram of whiskey in our hands.
0: Yes, it has been disgusting weather outside um, mm. this week so far, um, so it is perfect night to be inside with a dram.
1: Yep, yeah, that's it. Whiskey drinking weather. Which coincidentally for us is also real hot sunny days, um, slightly gusty autumn days. Basically, any weather is whiskey drinking weather when you are at whiskey waffle. Anyway, um, we're excited for episode forty-seven of the whiskey waffle podcast. We're going to be quoting Buzz Lightyear a lot in this episode. I think. Yeah,
0: I was actually going to say this. Uh, this episode is about the uh, new Buzz Lightyear movie <laughs> and uh, our thoughts on it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, yes, no, but there is a very good reason for that. Um, but before we get things started, um, we've got a new iTunes review. Nice. Yeah, and because we get very excited when these things happen, um, we read them out on the pod. And the review is by Bobby Boobam.
0: Bobby Boobam. Yeah,
1: try saying that after a few drams. Bobby Boobam.
0: It's a good thing it's the start of the night. Yep.
1: <laughs> so he has given us five stars, or she.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, Bobby. Bobby is sort of a gender-neutral name. Indeed. So, so they've they, given they, us five yeah.
1: stars um, and said, "Great podcast, entertaining, informative, and interesting." That's three things I'm not sure i have ever been described as before. But yeah, nice one. Uh, Great to listen to whilst cooking dinner and considering a dram or two for dessert.
0: Nice. nice. I, I, we we've we've officially become. A cooking podcast. Yeah,
1: love it, love it.
0: Yeah, Yeah, nice well. A a nice whiskey and a nice meal and yeah, paired with a delicious podcast. Indeed, indeed. How Uh, you been, Ted? Yeah, I haven't been too bad. Um, I just want to, so it's um, political season in Australia at the moment. Yeah. um, And I just want to throw you over something um, that's caused a bit of controversy um, recently. Has Um, it also caused controversy? Yes. Ooh. That too. Um, double whammy. Yeah, yeah. So um obviously the, the pollies have been flying hither and thither all over the place and they have been spending quite a bit of time down in Tasmania. We
1: We're all uh, we're all swingers down here. Yeah. <laughs> we've
0: we've got some big swingers. Um yeah, yeah. Our our own electorate is actually quite a big swing one, but Mr. Morrison came down recently and stopped off at a distillery. Now it's known that SCOMO does enjoy a bit of a dram. He's he he stopped off at uh, Lark's new Pontville site.
1: Oh, he went to Sheen, did he? He
0: did go to Sheen, <laughs> except it's not Sheen. No. And the thing that stirred up the hornet's nest a bit is that he promised to give them four point five million dollars.
1: Mm. Yep. Well, there's one way to secure Lark's place in the Tasmanian whiskey scene: as four and a half mil from the government. Will just about do that. I mean, they they do want to build a new distillery, don't they? They
0: do, but I mean, so I suppose, what's your thoughts on this? So. I mean, I've I've seen some comments thrown around the place. I suppose, firstly, good on luck for managing to secure the, the money. But I suppose some comments that have gone around is like, well, why is the government giving a publicly listed company $4.5 million? Especially when they managed to quite easily stump up the however much it was to purchase Sheen. Didn't really break a sweat as far as I know, so...
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's an interesting one. It's an interesting one. I guess the justification is through the sort of um, tourism um, aspect of it and the greater good of the community, that sort of thing. Mm. The, um, the funniest thing for me is like the new Ponfield site of Lark is in the electorate of Lions, one of the ones that's on the line for the um, Skomo's party. Lyon. Lo- mm, yeah, for the, for the next election. But... That's only the new Pontville site that they've just... Uh, or, mm. or Mangalore site, as it should technically be known. Um, yeah, that's only the the new purchase. The rest of Lark's down in Hobart, which is in a completely different electorate, which is very safely held by an independent and doesn't look like changing anytime soon. So um, the electorate of Clark, that is. So we could say um, Lark from Clark <laughs> uh, are uh, probably probably not going to win too many votes in the um, Lions region, yeah, that particular yeah.
0: promise. It's an interesting one. I think like there's, there's probably quite a few producers sort of kicking around Australia, especially on the smaller scale, who would probably like to see a chunk of $4.5 million. Um, mm. um, and, yeah, ones that aren't publicly listed. So, yeah. Hey, actually, speaking of on the subject of like this is turning into another like heavy because uh, We never do that on Whiskey Waffle. Yeah, we? I know. Yeah. Um, we, we had a brief discussion about this the other day, but what do you think the future of the Cambridge site is? The Cambridge site,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, so the for those that I'm not sure what we're talking about, the Cambridge is where, like, currently produce um, all their goods just out the back of Frogmore Creek, um, just north of Hobart, and yeah, they um, are still producing there. They've still got some fairly large stills there, but they're intending on building a big new distillery out at their Pontville Mangalore <coughs> <coughs> site, aka Sheen, and um, yeah, I'm wondering if that will mean all of the production will just shift to to Sheen, or if it'll sort of be split, half Cambridge, half yeah, Pomp see,
0: the, the Sheen site, really, I think I the way I say it is they're going to move, like, all their touristy stuff out mm. to that site. But, yeah, they are planning on building this big new distillery. I assume they're going to scrap the old Sheen stills. From what we've heard, they're pretty pretty worn out. But, yeah, um,
1: they've seen their time. I mean,
0: I, I don't think the, the Cambridge site will probably get as much love anymore. I th- my personal feeling is that they probably will keep the Cambridge site and it will become, like one of the true sort of scottish style production sites it already kind of looks like that it's just a collection of tin sheds it's not the, it's not the pretty site i mean the, the land around it, it's beautiful and the the view out to the bay and stuff but it's it's not sort of a like a really a tourist it's, it's tourist not a destination is it it's not a destination site so my feeling is that cuz i think those stills and that site will still add character into the whiskey and especially if they are going for as they continue it to expand and increase their range and try to delve down into some some more reasonably priced um, areas of the market if they continue to do blends um, from their different sites then i think that will continue to add a character into a certain mm. character into that um. i give
1: it a i give it 10 years yeah um, after a little while there's going to be bits that need replacing and then they'll just decide it's not worth it. We've got a much bigger facility. We're just moving everything out there.
0: Mm. Much much closer to their arch-rivals as well mm, up yeah, in so.
1: Battle of the Southern Midlands.
0: Yeah, interesting. Um, watch this
1: space. Uh, anyway, it's about time we started Waffling, cause we, as if we haven't started already. Um, yeah. With our official waffle of the episode, though.
0: Yes, Indeed. So we mentioned um, the Buzz Lightyear uh, movie. Um, we're actually not going to be talking about that, surprisingly. But
1: No, we're talking about the new Woody movie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, those cowboy pictures we took that time were <laughs> pretty terrible. Um, yeah, yeah uh, no, no, we are talking, of course, about the classic phrase, To infinity and, and beyond. beyond. The waffle. All right, Nick, it's time to talk about, essentially, the spirits version of sourdough. Or at least... Sorry about that. <laughs> That's a great noise. Um, or at least a sourdough starter. It's something that you keep in, keep in some sort of a vessel. You've got to feed it regularly. You've got to protect it to make sure that it um, doesn't go off. Um, it's, it's a living... Breathing, in this case, very drinkable organism.
1: And at some stage in the whole process, fermentation occurs.
0: Mm, this is true. Mm. It is the product of fermentation. Indeed. Although, probably sticking it in the oven is not advisable.
1: <laughs> not for the whiskey version. So, we're talking about Infinity Bottles today on this episode. And it's um something that we've toyed around with, but um only just recently properly dipped our feet into. So, we're going to talk about... I guess, um, the results of that toe-dipping, mm. um, but we should probably begin by talking about what an infinity bottle actually is.
0: Yes, it's quite a complex mathematical equation, I think, <laughs> um, and some of them are bigger than others. It's, it's, it's quite a hard concept to like, really wrap your mind around the whole thing of infinity and endless space. Oh, no, wait, I'm talking about the wrong thing, aren't I? <laughs> wrong infinity. Yes, it's the
1: desire to have an infinity whiskey bottles in your collection. And we all try and pursue it, but we never quite make it. Yeah. yeah I'm sure I'll, a few people can relate to that.
0: I mean, there there kind of almost is a grain of infinity in the whole concept. Mm. I mean, in terms of talking about the length of the whole universe, things are probably going to degrade into other things. And so your your bottle isn't quite going to last right to the end of infinity, which yeah. is infinite <laughs> as these things go. But a an infinity bottle, it's where you... Preserve your whiskey collection for the future.
1: Yes, and at the same time, make a really interesting blend.
0: Yeah, I think that's the key here, blend. Blend mm. blend is essentially what we're doing.
1: Yeah, and so there are different ways that people approach it, and we'll talk about that as the discussion goes on, but um, the in essence, it's you get a little bit of all the whiskeys on your collection, you add them together in a bottle, and then uh, continue adding to that, and then continue drinking some of that, and then keep adding some more. Every time you get a new one.
0: Um, so well I suppose let's let's start off on the container. Yeah. Well you should, need a bottle. Yeah. Should I use like an old milk container or something to do it? Would not be advisable. Okay. <laughs> well, alright. Here here's probably where people might be tempted to go if they're making an Infinity Bottle. Because they, they want it to look they want it to look pretty and nice. So people might be tempted to grab a decanter. Mm. But see, that's not necessarily the best idea it will look pretty yeah but the stopper on a decanter isn't as well sealed as a proper whiskey bottle and so if you're keeping it in decanter you you're going to get some losses in volatiles and things and it's probably actually going to mean that over time your whiskey will get Yeah, just a bit duller and less tasty.
1: Yeah. No, so for most people, they pick one of their favourite empty or indeed nearly empty bottles um, to become their Infinity bottle, and that's what both my colleague and I have done.
0: Yeah, so I, I, um, I actually kicked off my very first Infinity bottle just the other week because I got to the end of my Ardbeg Perpetuum bottle, which has an infinity symbol on it. And I was like, well, this is too good an opportunity to waste.
1: Mm, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's already got the infinity there. Plus it comes with a box with an infinity sign on it. Yeah. Um, I've got an old um, Elsa Bay or Elisa Bay. If you go um, by the spelling um, bottle, because it has the most impressively heavy lid. That's the one that I was squeaking mm. annoyingly and Ted in the intro. I've <laughs> Confession, people, I have three Infinity bottles in front of me. Um, Another one is, it's actually just an old Woodford's Reserve bottle, but it's just an interesting shape, and I'll talk about that one. And my new one, the one that we're going to discover for the first time, is a beautiful Starwood bottle with all these constellations printed, embossed on the outside. Um, No no text or anything. It's just these wonderful uh, bits and pieces of constellations and things in the true Starwood way, which looks beautiful with a very dark spirit behind it.
0: Yeah. Now... Speaking of the chaos of the universe, or the order of the universe, it's mm. like, yeah, which which way do you go? We should probably next talk about what goes into a infinity and like how people do it. Because there's probably two quite distinct methods here. Mm. One is the chaos theory. The so basically whatever-you-want theory. Yeah, which is what I did with my uh, Petered Perpetuum. Well, whiskey not,
1: not really, because you just did Petered stuff in it.
0: I mean, yeah, I suppose... But it, it was still chaotic within the the sort of defined scope of peated whiskies, Because <laughs> essentially what I did was I just got all my peated whiskies off my shelf and just went, right, a dram of that one and a dram of that one and a dram of that one and a dram of that one. And just really beyond that, there wasn't really any sort of art to it. Yep. It was just like, slop that one in, smash that one in, like, let's just get them all together.
1: Yeah, well, the first two Infinity bottles I made, I guess fit as chaos within that theory. So um, I've also done a peated Infinity Bottle, mm. um, which was in the old ex-Woodfords, but in the Elsa Bay is basically everything that's non-peated. Scottish, Australian, bourbon, Japanese, uh, blends. Um, it's all whiskey. That's the only stipulation. Mm. And I kept the smoky stuff out. But uh, apart from that, that's actually what we're drinking now. So maybe mm. a good time to um to talk about it because I, I'm really... Whiskey Waffle is picking out random tasting notes from uh, bottles, but I find this really hard to define. It's a global mishmash. There's. Mm, it is. Uh, there's, it doesn't lean in any one direction. I can't tell that there's bourbon in it. I can't tell it. Probably I can tell that there's some wine casking in it. That's probably my...
0: Yeah, it... Or definitely fortified. And it does have a bit of a winey taste. to it. Actually, because before, when, when you were just getting set up or something... I just randomly sipped it, not really thinking about what I was drinking. And I thought there for a moment that I was drinking something Australian mm. and a bit whiny. So yeah, yeah. Um, so it's probably got
1: a, a bit of a leaning towards that, but there's still a lot of Scottish stuff in there too.
0: I think there's a bit of sweet woodiness in there, which is possibly because you've got some American yeah. uh, whiskey in there. Um, yeah,
1: but I've got a theory about this sort of thing. And I'm going to come back to that theory at the end. So okay. let's uh, let's see if we're proved correct with some of our other tastings throughout the evening.
0: Yeah, um, I, I don't mind it. Yeah. I think it's all right. It's, I think it works as it's something... It's perfectly
1: drinkable, isn't it?
0: You're, you're right, though, in the fact that it's a bit chaotic. It, it's, yeah, it just doesn't settle somewhere and you can't like just drink and go, oh, yeah, this, this is sort of that thing. <laughs> yep.
1: And, um, yeah, before we go on to the next one, I thought of another thing that I wanted to talk about is Mm -hmm. when do you fill your infinity cask? Because some people have very specific rules about this. And if you and I were more organized, we'd probably follow said rules, but we're not. We're just like, oh, it's been a few months since I've touched that. I should probably... uh, Yeah, but some people um, just make it a tradition that the very last drop in their bottle, the last Mm. drink... It goes into the infinity. So the last one is for the infinity. I'm kind of... If I was truly organised, I'd do it the opposite.
0: Get the neck paw in there. Yeah, the
1: neck mm. paw, the infamous neck paw, which doesn't exist. No, um, mm. yeah, and then you... Re- well,
0: supposedly you remember to put it in there.
1: Not that I've ever it's, really it's, remembered it. It's
0: but du-picked fresh. Yep. If, if, you're, if you're more on top of it and you get down to that last dram, instead of leaving it there and going like, oh, I can't possibly bear to get rid of this dram. It's just so, so hard. Whack it in your infinity yeah. because that's this is this is partly where I was getting to with some of that infinity talk earlier, even though like the bulk of that whiskey as you drink keep drinking it will go, there will still be a tiny, tiny tiny amount of molecules of every whiskey that you've put into that
1: there'll always be a few molecules there will yeah. always
0: be a few molecules, and so you'll continue to be able to drink that whiskey for at least not infinity but a good chunk of time yep. So, I suppose we talked about the chaos theory. Some people go for a really ordered um, sort Mm,
1: of Which brings me to my new one. Yeah. I'll start pouring if you explain this new theory.
0: Okay. So, instead of just chucking things in willy-nilly, probably a more sort of interesting and logical and sensible and sort of scientific way of doing it is being quite anal about what goes in. Like, how much of each whiskey do you put in? Do you... I I saw a sort of a good way of being described. It's like what you need to do is get all the whiskies that you're potentially intending on putting in there. Pour out some drams of everything, and then start nosing and tasting them, and getting tasting notes out of those whiskies that you're intending on putting in. Then you sort of think, okay, well these are the different flavors I've got. I'm going to maybe I want my whiskey to sort of be this sort of characteristic so say I want it to be quite a sherried drop or I'm looking for it to have sort of uh softer um woody notes or I don't know something like that then you kind of go all right out of my ingredients what do I need to add in to get that particular character that I'm sort of aiming for Basically, a blending experience. A blending experience.
1: Yeah, yeah. Which is a fun thing to do, and there's no reason that people couldn't make blends of their own at home by pulling out a few of their favorite bottles and getting you know, a few meals of this, a few meals of that, um, and creating their own blends, mm. And especially if you get a few malts with similar characters to each other that are going to complement and potentially add to it, which is also going to come into my theory, which we're going to get to later.
0: Yeah, so... You're probably being more subtle with this than just going like 25 mils of this one, 25 mils of this one. Sometimes you might actually think, right, to achieve this sort of particular profile that I've got in my head that I'm trying to aim for, I'm going to actually need a bit more of this, a bit less of this.
1: Yeah, so shall I reveal what's in this bottle then?
0: Please do. Yep, so this one here
1: is not quite as thought through as Ted was going into, but it is whiskeys from a similar region, and it's it's not the most similar region. It's just a bunch of whiskeys from Australia. Um, So it's an Australian infinity. So among this, there's a a few different sheens. Um, There's quite a few Starwoods um, in here. There's some Lonnie. There is some Morris, some Spirit Thief, uh, a bunch of different Larks, some Adams, Old Kempton, Overeem, a bit of uh, Flurio, just a little bit, Um, some Korra, Remnant, and then a bunch of Tibbs and a handful of Heartwoods. So I think I
0: think the chibs and the heartwoods are definitely and the sheens the, actually. Yeah, and the sheens. Yeah. It's compared to your global mishmash, mm. this is this is a lot it's a lot more sort of refined in its flavor. It's it's got a definite sort of Australian funky, heavy, fruity sort of character there.
1: This one you could trick me into thinking it's a single malt. Mm. And it is just malt. So uh, I've got some Belgroves on the shelf and some Archie Rose rye, but I didn't put any of that in there. Mm. Um, I just stuck with the malts. The cool um, thing is, like, I've suddenly created an extra bottle, an extra bottle of something on my shelf. Yeah, that I didn't have before.
0: It's a beautiful bottle too.
1: Yeah, and all of the um, all of the other bottles just gone down a tiny bit. and I've created this whole new bottle.
0: Yeah, I suppose the next thing maybe to discuss, which is hard to do in the context of this one that we're just drinking, is old whiskies. Old whiskies. Old whiskies, like. If you've got a something quite old, maybe even rare on your shelf, should you add it in? Mm.
1: Is it worth it?
0: Is it worth it? Mm. Well, it ge- it does partly come back to that thing of like, with your infinity bottle, you're preserving those molecules. <laughs> like if you tip if you tip a bit of your alligator in there, but you're going to you- be drinking alligator for a long time to come.
1: But if you absolutely love it though, and mm. you you know you just want to drink it as it is, then well, you're not going to. Probably notice the influence of 20 mils in a 700 mil bottle. Um, shall we get a couple more glasses and try these peated ones?
0: Let's do that.
1: Okay, so we've got two more Glen Cairns, Um both peated.
0: Yeah, and so this is a good time to bring up the uh, subject of should you put peat in your uh, in your infinity?
1: Yeah, but this is the thing. Should you put peat in with the non-peated? Both Ted and I have decided to separate our peated whiskeys infinities. Mm. So what is in yours, Ted?
0: So I've got four different Ardbegs. Yep. I've got a Lefroig. There's a couple of Lachavoolans. There's Beaumore, Kilhoman, uh, Chieftains. Uh, oh, sorry, Ka- that's a Chieftains um, independent Kalila. Um, some Brookladdy and some Octomores. Ah, yes. A couple, couple of Octamores in there. Three, no, four different Bunhavens. Some Highland Park, some Talisker, uh, some Anukk. So, move, moving out from the islands onto the mainland, um, some Anak, some uh, Inchmone, a couple of Glen Fids, some Balakin, uh, Altavane, some Ben Nevis, Peat Monster, which is a blend, as is the uh, Six Isles Voyager that we talked about last episode, and just a little special kicker on the end. Mm. So, that's that's all Scottish, Yep. apart from... A very small amount of my last very probably oxidized remaining bit of uh, Yoichi fifteen. All
1: right. Is there any Australian peter ones in there? No. Did you so, stick your serious whiskey from Heartwood in there?
0: Yeah. And see this is like this is where I'm grappling with myself of like, do I add some uh, some Australian stuff in there or not?
1: Well, I thought you said it was truly chaotic, Ted. <laughs> well, Sounds quite controlled to me. Mm. Um, interesting, I'm getting two different noses, like they're both definitely petered. Mine has got a lot more sort of um, wood smoke, um, whereas I'm getting a lot more sort of coastal, Mm. peaty, reeky thing from yours. Which
0: could be... like There's a good chunk of um, Bunahavn in there, which could be... uh,
1: There's a good chunk of Ardbeg and uh, Octomor and Laphroaig, (laughs) Lagavulin, whereas mine's got a lot of uh, sort of um, mainland sort of um, peats as well.
0: Definitely on the palate, mine has a good chunk of um, peaty reek.
1: Yeah, whereas mine's got a real sort of... Ashy, still quite dirty.
0: Yeah, you're right. It does. Mm. So I I put a little post up to um our Patreon and just got some comments. But um, Mike, Mike, one of our um Patreon uh, followers did comment. I thought peated infinity bottles were generally to be avoided because it mutes the peat. So I've never had a go. I have an infinity bottle, but it contains all unpeated whiskey. My approach is a bit different to yours. I didn't make it all at once as I'm nearing the end of a bottle I add the last 50 to 60 mils in my bottle an old long 16 and then I drink enough to let me add some more as I need so yeah so that's that's one approach mm. that one of our followers is um doing. So
1: Ted, um, these are two very different Drams, even though they're both Petered Infinity bottles from two people with a similar taste in whiskey. Mm. And um, yeah, the two previous that we've had as well are very different to each other. We've created four unique whiskies. They are unique. They are. They're so unique. Ah, I knew it was coming. Yeah. But no, they they have, and that's really interesting. Um, so what we might do, what we might do is throw up the opportunity for our Patreons, um, those at tasting panel level, to jump in in the comments on this episode and say which one they're most interested in. And maybe, alongside their review dram, we'll send them a dram of one of our infinities as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, people yeah, need to, need to uh, taste the epic creations that we have mm. brought into the world.
1: Absolutely. And um, I, I don't know which one I go for, mate. New Aussie one has excited me greatly. Mm. Um, but yeah, the Isla Pete Reek that Ted's brings. This really funky, dirty thing that my Peter one brings. Mm. And then, yeah, my real bitzer.
0: It, it is the like global mongrel. Yep.
1: And speaking of bitzers, I guess this is where my theory comes into it.
0: Yeah, right. Hit me with your theory stick.
1: So a few years ago when we were staying with Matt Cooper at Fanny's Bay, he produced a whiskey that he called his bitzer.
0: The Libitzer. Um, the
1: Libitzer, that's it. Because it was a bits and pieces type of whiskey. Because he does this gravity flocking process to sort of clear, clarify. Excuse you.
0: <laughs> Such language.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll have to put an explicit warning on the pod. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, so he basically gravity flocks his whiskey. He lets all the um, solids settle to the bottom of these big, tall tubes. Um, and those ones basically going to have a little bit left over in the bottom, once he's siphoned off all the clear whiskey. And then he'll combine all of these ones together and then he'll let the fuck settle down to the bottom of that one and take out a mixture of basically every cask he's released. It's his own infinity bottle. But the thing that I've always found with the Libitza is that it's really easy to drink but not that complex. Mm. So combining all of these whiskies together, especially ones that don't necessarily complement each other, makes something that Maybe smooths off a bunch of rough edges, but also makes it less unique. (laughs) It makes it less interesting. Perhaps I mean not quite less interesting because
0: all of these whiskies are really interesting. Character-driven.
1: Yeah, it doesn't have as much of its own distinct um, notes that come through. Um these ones here have got so much of everything going on that you can't taste everything. Mm. Like it's just impossible to taste, especially in in mine one, which ironically is in a Fanny's bagel and can. It's impossible to taste the the bourbon, the Australian stuff, the Scottish stuff, the Japanese stuff, like
0: I was going to say that actually you're you're just um you're the global mongrel mm. um has developed a bit of a vanilla s- sweet vanilla, still-
1: when I came back to it as well. Yeah. yeah. And so I think the more different stuff you put in the less different stuff you're going to taste
0: yeah i mean where where do we come down on the the, i suppose there's you know that um tasmanian whiskey week um, release that um, came out the first
1: proper tasmanian
0: blend first proper tasmanian blend
1: equal parts of all the contributing distilleries in the state
0: and what did it taste
1: like taste like bloody Belgrave. (laughs) <laughs> Certainly tasted like
0: bloody Belgrove because that, that just has such a distinct, that rye plus Belgrove spirit. But yeah, is it going to bugger up your um, infinity by well, putting in like.
1: You will note that I did not add Belgrove to my no, Australian one, I but you, will, you probably didn't note that there was another big omission, which might come in later, but I wanted to try it without first. Mm. Did you notice one distillery that I missed off? I'm
0: basically a traitor. No Hellier's Road. No Hellier's Road. Yeah, that that is a good point.
1: Mm. It's the only one that I didn't put in of my Australian single malt collection. But um yeah, maybe, I, What I know, what I really want to do is just make a Helly's Road infinity because I've got so many bottles of Helly's. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, stick them for in. sure, do yeah. it. Yeah. I've,
0: I've got so many as well. Maybe we should make a joint Helly's Road yeah. project.
1: <laughs> yeah, interesting stuff. All right then, Patreons, leave us a comment on the episode. Tell us which one you're interested in. Uh, people at home, tell us, have you made an infinity bottle? What are your rules?
0: Yeah, that's it. Please... Let us know we'd be really fascinated to hear I mean we've already heard from Mike he's got his own method he's he takes a much more scientific approach but yeah some of the some of the other um, folks out there must be um, doing a bit of home blending so let us know make, send us an infinite carrier pigeon <laughs> make, make us an infinite carrier pigeon take take all the carrier pigeons and take little bits of each and sew them together into one giant infinite carrier pigeon Franken pigeon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, nice. Oh, well, interesting
0: topic. To infinity and, and beyond. beyond. It'd be like uh, trying to cut your hair in the mirror and just be really <laughs> awkward and difficult. And you'd be like, oh, yeah. come on. I need to just cut this bit, but snip. Oh, no, it's the wrong thing. <laughs> and that's how I got a circumcised. <laughs> <laughs> the whiskey. Nicholas. Yes. Fact me up. Oh,
1: gonna do that later, Ted, once the microphone's in. Into- oh, fact. Fact you up. All right. No. Well, let's talk about what our whiskey review of the episode is. And it is an Ardbeg. Ardbeg? Yes. Um, one of our favourite distilleries. But it's not a 10 year old. It's not an Oogadal.
0: Okay. So is it, it's a Cory Reckon then?
1: No. This one here is one of the committee releases.
0: Ah, oh, committee release.
1: Yeah. And they do, they do lots of committee releases. And most of them sell out within seconds. But I was actually able to find this one for retail sale. Retail sale? Yeah. Mm. So it's not so much one of their rarest, most fancy, expensive, stupid, like, maybe only a few thousand bottles available. This one is an experiment.
0: Hmm. Interesting.
1: It has got a big fat number eight on the front.
0: A big fat number eight. It yeah. is a big fat number eight. Yeah, the thing is te- it's a fat and red number eight.
1: You've got your Ardbeg Infinity, but if I turn on the side, mine's an infinity as well. <laughs> yeah, it
0: looks like a bum. Yeah. Ah, um, see if I if I turn my box on its side, it looks like an eight. So yeah, exactly. we've got we've essentially got the the same whiskey.
1: Yep. Um so this is one that is called Simply For Discussion. And uh, a few people might have tried this one recently. It came yeah. out from Ardbeg um, earlier in the year. For discussion, and it is basically, uh, Dr. Bill described it as an alternate reality. What if, sort of whiskey. What if a whiskey was released at this age point? They've released the 10-year-old, obviously. They've also released the 5-year-old. Hmm. The wee beastie. This is somewhere in between. But Dr. Bill also said another thing. What if, I'd beg, was released entirely in ex-sherry barrels? Ah. Oh. And obviously, Ugadal has a bit of ex-sherry, hmm. um, but yeah, this apparently. And I, I'm looking at the color right now, and I don't believe it because it doesn't, it doesn't look a,
0: overly ex-sherry. It's not Quite
1: pale straw, but it's not much darker than that. Maybe, maybe he's just just saying what if? Maybe that's not <laughs> <Yeah>. actually specific. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> there's actually no sherry in this. It's just like what if it was? Um, so <laughs> Dr. so Bill can say like, whatever he wants, but. For, for discussion, what what if a sherry was released at this age? Well. My my sort of cynical feeling about that is that they're testing the waters and seeing what sticks at a uh, younger age point. So we've had we had the wee beastie five. Mm. You've got this one at an eight. Yeah. Um. They're going like, how low can we go before people are like, <laughs> a sort of, yeah? They they go, this is acceptable for this price, and we're happy with this, and then we then they can up the price of the ten.
1: I don't, um, I don't disagree with you, but the funny thing is, like, um, the cynical part of you says this, but I mean, they've literally put the words "for discussion" as the title of the whiskey, yeah. so they're not exactly trying to hide that fact. But um, yeah, Ardbeg fans, because it's committee release, they'll they'll snap it up, and mm. um, we are Ardbeg fans, and I found this one available, um, on on retail and Nix.
0: I will say um, it's a beautiful bottle. I love yeah. the bottle.
1: Well, we talked about bottle uh, labels and shapes yeah. last week, and we 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 talked about Ardbeg being. Mm. You know, branding spot on, but we do like the cream label on the green bottle.
0: Yeah, cream and green—it's a good combo. With that red eight, mm. it looks like proper whiskey.
1: Yeah, um, but the thing
0: is, does it taste
1: like proper whiskey? So it's about time we talked about. Well, what does it smell like?
0: I mean, it smells like proper whiskey. I I think it's got a really vibrant, crisp, fresh sort of coastal-driven nose. It's mm. it, it's not it's not the most sort of Heavy peaty nose. It, it's it's very f- much more a fresh, lively nose. It's burnt lemon, but really burnt. Dope lemon.
1: <laughs> no, uh, there is peat there. There's peas of plenty. Mm. Don't worry. I'd beg fans if you if you don't think there's enough peat there.
0: There is definitely going to be some peat to be found with this one. It's got a really nice sort of salty seasideiness to it, though. Mm. It's like sitting outside in front of a fish and chip shop. Do you get any red fruit from it? Did you get any dark fruit? Um, maybe a bit.
1: I'm more sort of apricots and mm. and like I said, a bit of lemon.
0: Yeah, There might be a bit of currant, like red currant, to it or something. But mm. it's not, it's not plums, it's
1: not prunes, it's not.
0: Mm. But like see, currant. underneath there, there is a bit of like alcoholy plum. Okay, right. I, yeah. I know you said just just said no plums yeah,
1: underneath. It's right, um, we're allowed to disagree, Ted.
0: Yeah, underneath. If you go really hard down. Beyond those nice sort of like... It's like sort of seeing the underbelly of the city or the back room in a restaurant or something <laughs> like that. Like you you sort of... um, You go and it's like this really beautiful place and then you go like around around the sort of the back behind the scenes and underneath that there's something just a bit sort of... Yeah, unfinished. And mm, Well, it is only eight years it, old. Yeah.
1: Well, let's see what the palate brings. Chocolate. And salt, like ninety nine percent dark chocolate. Mm. I that palette is actually quite good. I like the it's a it's, a it's a
0: really a, ashy. It's a slap of seawater in the face.
1: Yeah, it's not that sort of reek that I was mm. often associating with Ardbeg. It's a really burnt, burnt, burnt meat. So you've had to scrape it off the
0: frying pan. <laughs> Man, that is that is very crisp. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah.
1: Um, it's basically how my wife likes a bacon. <laughs> I think there's a bit of
0: almond in there, a bit of orange, bit of bit of orange, definitely a bit of orange. It's um like uh um not Grand Mania. What's the other one? Um, Cointre.
1: Can I make the same Grand Mariner joke again?
0: <laughs> yes, you can. You can make as many Grand Mariner jokes as you like.
1: Mm. a bit of che- um. You have to chew on this whiskey. You
0: know, you know what is there? It's um. It's uh, chocolate liqueurs. Mm. It's got like a, a chocolatey, then this like sharp, alcoholy kind of... I think I think that it's not sharp in a bad way like those chocolate liqueurs we had that time were. Yeah. The sharpness comes from the salt in there.
1: Yeah. I just get like a really intense mousse, like
0: chocolate mousse. Oh, I was thinking the other sort. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just that, You're just like staring at you going... <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's just like a really bad hiking trip in Canada. Yeah. No, um it's like a like a yeah, like
0: I said, ninety percent dark chocolate mousse. Almond praline in there though as well. I on the whole like it. I think I think it's it's another case of <sighs> Pete does good things to young whiskey. Mm.
1: Compare this to the lug of Woolenate. Um it's been a while since we had it. It's been a while since I had any,
0: it. But um, we,
1: we have been critical of it in the past. Yeah. But have we been critical of it because it's not the 16 or because it's not
0: that good? I think partly that it's because it's not the 16. Mm, We we just have such a hard-on for the 16 that it's...
1: One thing I'm going to say, it's not this good. I'm holding up the bottle of the Ardbeg 8 now. Mm. I think Ardbeg 8 has trumped Lagavulin 8. Yeah. Um. Whereas the uh Volen sixteen is Trump the Ardbeg sixteen. Yeah. <laughs> um. What of we need to do Lagav- is all those Ardbeg sixteens we've had. Yeah.
0: yeah. What we need to do is bust out this against the wee beastie and see mm. how they stack up together as a uh, thing. Yeah. I, I think don't... I think the wee beastie is greener than this. I yeah. Think this the is... wee
1: beastie had a, a different sort of smoke again.
0: Mm. I think this is on its way to being glorious. Mm. But yeah, and I give it another two years. <laughs> I, I do like the I do like the vibrancy and the zestiness and the freshness of it though. Mm. It it does it does like yeah really just get all up in your grill and make make you feel like really pumped. It's uh, still available on Nix. Mm. I could I could go one of those. Yeah, 140, 140. That's not too bad. Mm. Okay, I am going to I think give this a high three stars. Mm. I think it needs a bit more sort of depth and complexity to tip it over the line but as a yeah for an 8 year old whiskey this is a lot of good fun it's, it's like a small zippy sports car like this is this is the, the Mazda RX no not almost the Mazda um, MX5 MX5, that's MX5 it. no not the RX8 the MX5 yeah. um, I've heard the <laughs> RX8 called a hairdresser's car um, <laughs> no the 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 MX Five it's yeah. it's the people's the people's convertible mm. it's it's fun and zippy and gives you gives you a, a good ride hey 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 but it's also accessible
1: mm. well it reminds me of my um Alfa Spider so mm. four stars for me four stars yeah I th- it's mainly because it's art big yeah do I <laughs> I kind of wanted to give it a four but that's all right. We've, we've, we've got to strike some balance
0: between. Yeah, look, I'm I'm still going to give it its high three. I think it needs just a bit more, a bit more finishing to it to mm. just really drive it up. But yeah, high three, four star. It's good fun. Yeah. Whack the top down, take it out on a summer's day, have a blast. Stick your nose in the exhaust pipe.
1: <laughs> Sniff away.
0: Stick your nose in. I was thinking of something else. <laughs> <laughs>
1: There's a lot of noise in the line. Oh, it's because you're squeezing a thing.
0: (laughs) Waffle, waffle, waffle in with. G'day everyone, we are on the beautiful Derwent River today uh, with Robbie Gilligan at Derwent Distillery. Thanks for having us along mate. Hey, mate. Thanks for coming along, appreciate it.
1: Yeah, we've known you Robbie from uh, for a number of years. We've seen you at various different Tasmanian distillery sites, but you finally got your own going. So uh, yeah, what, what inspired you to start your own distillery?
2: Uh look, like it's something that ever since I realised there was a, a distilling scene in Tassie years ago, there was always a dream that um, I would one day open-own distillery. Mm. Um, but my main aim was to learn as much as I could. Figure out what makes Tasmanian spirit, Tasmanian, what makes it so good. And then literally just, you know, get the courage and pluck up the confidence and somehow find the money and yeah go and own you know. Yeah, well, it's, it's
0: interesting that you're sort of keen to learn about um, Tassie Whiskey. Like, so we, we've got some Scottish friends who are a bit sort of... Uh, down on the whole Tassie thing, but yeah, barley-based
1: whiskey-flavored spirit cordial drink was one comment. Yeah, yeah.
0: but yeah, just just um, people might be able to hear from your accent that you're from yeah, obviously very local Australian, so sort of
2: broad broad Aussie accent. So yeah, what's what's your background in? I was very well known in the consumer circles of whiskey <laughs> back in Scotland, yeah. uh, but to be honest, I'd never even been in a distillery, um, never even been in a brewery either. So. I was, uh, once I really got into the whisky side of things, it was my mum and my stepdad actually, old all people. And then I just started getting passionate about it then, moved away from Glasgow, moved to London. And then uh, then I started missing things from Scotland. And whisky being one of them was one that I, I, was, I had access to a whole lot of whisky fans in London who kind of helped to encourage, you know, um, my journey in whisky there. And then just went from there really. And then I met Emma, my missus, and, and then she's from Hobart, obviously. And when I realised that there was a whisky scene here, I thought, "Oh my god!" And how does it compare to what I'm used to you know, in terms of Scottish whiskies? And I just remember that feeling that I got when I tried the first whisky here, of just how different it was. Mm. How it was almost like a more grown-up fortified wine, mm. um, that but with loads of character, loads of flavour that I, I I'd never experienced in any Scottish whisky before. Yeah. So and I liked that, yeah. and I wanted to know more about that mm-hmm. and why. So what's, what's your uh, journey in
0: Tasmania been like uh, with whisky then or in the industry, I suppose? Mm-hmm. Sort of wherever you come come through.
2: Yeah, all right. Um, well, as I said, when coming here, I didn't have any experience making it at all. Um, it wasn't till I met um, Bill Lack and Matt Nicholson, Mr Nick, um, at Lack, at the cellar door. Fortunately, they were there when I tried the first whisky and they were able to talk me through it and how they'd made it and you know, why it was tasting like it did and all the rest of it and uh, so for me it was very much listening to those two guys and really going oh wow that's amazing you know and to have that as my first experience of really understanding how whiskey was made you know for me it was just natural that um, I, I I got more involved in what was happening here in Tassie and I was very lucky because back then there was only well, I was telling you guys earlier, there, there was only seven distilleries in Tasmania mm. and or, and there was only 21 in total in Australia at the time so yeah I think so we first met you at
0: Old Redlands yeah. um, back in the day and then yeah, you've been through a couple of other iterations before coming here.
2: Yeah, yes. Yeah, so when I start, I started at Lark. Um, I think the accent got me the job. To be honest, <laughs> do you know what I mean. Oh, you don't know much about whiskey. That's fine. You sound like you do, so yeah. take you on, mate. No probs. And then it was just like, fake it till you make it. You know, that's what I was always told. Mm. And um, but like, I was like a sponge at Lark, and then I was able to get involved with uh, Overeem as well, which was one of my other favourite whiskies. Mm. not being biased, I just <laughs> generally was, I'm really thinking it was it was benchmark. it was stunning, um, and then, yeah, worked with a lot of good people um, back then, you know, a lot of people who have gone on to become part of other distilleries or even open up their own distilleries, and then, as you said, went to Redlands, and the opportunity came up, if actually, what happened was, at the end of 2014, this would have been, I was at the stage where Em and I were both thinking, right, we can do this, let's set up our own distillery, let's go for it. And Bill, God bless him, he was helping us out and all the rest of it, which was great. And then the opportunity came up to for, for Redlands. Um, they, they needed somebody who could come in and help run the business and, you know, uh, back up Dean with the spirit making process as well. So we had a think about it and we realised that it was a good opportunity for Emma to get the experience that she wanted um, mm. in the industry as well. And it would give me more experience and a better hand on how another other distilleries run. So we took it, um, initially it was gonna be six months, and it was great timing actually because it was it, it was a distillery that had like so much potential, being that it was paddock to bottle, mm. single malt, blah blah blah. But then within the first, say, six months that we were there, we'd achieved so much, not just us, but as a you know, the three of us, mm. that we'd launched the whiskey, we'd hosted what was Australia's biggest whiskey event for uh, World Whiskey Day. And then yet yeah, we just we we, we realised that six months wasn't gonna be enough. This that we had a lot more to give yeah. and a lot more to learn, you know. Mm. So um, we stuck with it, Dean, Emma and myself, Red, Team Red, Redlands, Robbie, Emma, Dean, yep. <laughs> and uh, yeah we just did that and to the point where it was like right, we still want to do our own thing but it was just finding that opportunity and pulling ourselves away from where we were at to then finally yep. get stuck into it and it just turned out that Covid actually was the the catalyst that really made it happen for us. Yeah. Really.
1: Yeah. No, no, so we're currently standing in the distillery shed, but yes. none of the stills are actually hooked up or operating yet. But it's only a matter of time. And yet we're still drinking Derwent Distillery product. Mm-hmm. Um, how has that come about, seeing magic. as we're not set up here? Magic. Yeah. Magic. I'd like to learn some of that magic.
2: Um, yeah, so the stills are up, as you say, and they're plumbed in. You just have to get them wired up. Um, yeah, so the whiskey we're drinking just now is uh, all made by myself. Mm-hmm. Made by myself. I was just in a fortunate position where I was able to lease the equipment at the previous distillery that I used to work for at um, Kempton. Um, so I was telling you guys earlier, we were doing um, full production runs at the time, but there was a gap in production every second week. So that's when I was able to then get into the distillery in more time and start building up a profile that suited what I wanted to make, really. really? And just experiment, really. That's what I was doing. I was experimenting with different cut points. Um, to an extent, different mash, kind of grain, mash bill, sorry. Yeah. And then uh, playing a bit with different barrel types and really l- looking at things that other people weren't using at the time or scared to use. Because I think back then everyone was using big, sweet, kind of bold sherry casks, but no one was touching dry sherry. Mm. So I just thought, oh, challenge accepted, let's yeah. do it, you know. Mm. And, and that just Thinking about it, I went, oh, well, no one's tried this, no one's tried that. Let's, Botrytis being another one. Yeah. Um, very few distilleries and private bottles have given it a go here. So I thought, well, let's give it a go. And I think, of, you know, well, we're drinking it. Just yeah, now. So no,
1: absolutely. No, there's some, some really
0: exciting stuff coming. Yeah, through. well, so tell us about your two releases that you've got here today.
2: Mm. Well, as I said, Botrytis being one of them. Uh, it was Task Cask Company had 20 casks in the cooperage. Um, that had been sourced from Australia. Um, so I went there and picked out what I thought were the 10 best ones. And also I couldn't afford any more. Yeah. Instead, <laughs> so that was, yeah, that was why. And then what I decided was I would um, I would uh, put the spirit straight into those barrels and fully mature them. So what we then do is we um, we go to the bond store, we test the barrels after they become whiskey and see how far along they've, they've come. Are they on track? Are they a bit behind? Do they need something else done to them? Whichever. And then by the time we checked these barrels we thought well they're done, but there's just something else that needs to get done to them in order to bring out a sweetness that you would expect. So we did that, played a bit with different finishing casks and uh, we did that, in fact that was the cask that nearly killed me. Um, so what's what's the story there? Right, so um, I went to another well known Tazzy distillery who sold me a 220 litre uh, barrel and strapped into the back of my ute and drove along back to the distillery at Kempton and fell asleep at the wheel. And, Crashed the car, wrote it off. Even my whiskey plates, I had WHI 5KYs, my whiskey plates, mm. um, had been mangled beyond oh, wow. all recognition. Um, but I walked out of it unscathed, and so did the barrel. Well, it had a dent in it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and right. a bit of the paint in the car, but that was it.
1: Bit more wood contact there. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: well, I was going to call it Marlin Spirit, I didn't tell you this before, but it was, um, uh, it was a Ford Falcon Marlin. And I thought, mm. oh, Madeline Spirit, you know, and mm. I thought, no, too much meat. <laughs> that's a story in itself, yeah, yeah, that'll do.
1: Yeah, but no, you're a lucky man, and I um, creditor a decent oh, whiskey okay. out of it. So. And then
2: the other whiskey that we've, we've had there is the Stout cask. Mm. Um, so that was, uh, I was, well, was literally taking um, some old Oloroso casks that I got from, through Um took one of the oldest ones from that, and finished it in some Stout casks, uh, which happened to be my old whiskey barrels. From previous releases that i then gave to Spotted dog brewers to make a stout in and decanted that released it on tas whiskey week and um along with the whiskey so that was pretty cool yeah
1: and that one's drinking fantastically that as well me. and um yeah if if someone was wanting to buy some derwent distillery products um they able to grab someone on the website or are these yeah, all yeah, sold yeah. out now we-
2: website's a good probably good good shout for anyone especially if you're not in tasmania um, we deliver anywhere in Australia so it's straight on you know you. but we do my main sales come through markets face to face so i do a lot of holdback markets and i do the occasional um launceston one as well yeah try to get about yeah yeah
0: so there yeah. you go nice mm. um i'd just like to compliment you on your uh, beanie as well uh, <laughs> thanks mate pretty yeah. pretty good beanie uh Devon Distillery Beanie uh, going on there, rocking the colours, nice blue and white and orange. It's Good. actually yeah, pretty much yeah, yeah no Welsh chocolate,
2: like, like a foot, footy hat, you know. Yeah, yeah.
1: no pro- proper football beanie. I feel like yeah, we could be on the sidelines cheering as you distill. Why not? Uh, yeah, I like
0: that. Yeah, so where where to from here then? So your your stills are sort of sitting here, ready to go, almost almost. Plumbed in, so to go, yeah. Yeah, what, what's your timeline over the next sort of
2: year or so? Realistically, I could have. So I've got two stills right in front of me. There's a six hundred and twenty-five liter still and a sixty liter still. The sixty liter still theoretically could be wired up this week. Mm. Um, I just don't have three-phase power hooked up to my um, stills mm. yet. Um, there's been a whole lot of processes involved in trying to get that happening. We've gone through them all. Theoretically, we have it in the pole. We just need to hook it up from the pole to my wiring, uh, but I've been told that should take another couple of weeks, um, and then the, the, the little still should be running by then. And then I'll just work on the wiring of the whole distillery in the meantime. And uh, once that's all done and in place, then I can start running the big still.
1: Yeah, no, looking what forward to fun. that as well. Next time we come, maybe we'll come when there's a, yeah, actual run going and we can uh, watch you in action. Anytime you want, mate. Wearing, wearing our footy beanies. Yeah.
0: Um the that that uh um tri uh trivan or whatever it is, uh Well Yeah.
1: Feels like we've been waffling for infinity.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, buddy, I hope so. Mm. I I would love to waffle for infinity with you.
1: <laughs> What's the opposite of purgatory?
0: Heaven? Waffling with you for infinity. Yeah, um no. Ah yes, true.
1: Mm. I'm um I'm pretty excited about infinity bottles now I've got to say.
0: Yeah. Look, what? I th- I think you make a good point though. They do sort of flatten out mm. whiskey a bit. But on the other hand, it does preserve a lot of stuff that you've got yeah. and it's we we had four very tasty um drams there. Now, as you mentioned before, um for our Patreon followers, if you want to let us know which Infinity bottle floats your boat. Then yeah, just
1: to recap, we've got, um, what did you call my um, <laughs> yeah, initial the, one? The Global Mongrel. Global Mongrel, I like it. Um, it got a lot more vanilla as the night went on, I mm. noticed. like Not vanilla in a boring way, vanilla in a like a really vanilla sort of way.
0: And then the second one of yours was an uh, Australian...
1: Yeah, Australian heavy mm. sort of mixture there. i um, still
0: opening up. We had another one of yours, which was uh, a peated one dirty peter one dirty peter one yeah. and then finally there was mine which mm. was much more sort of that coastal reek
1: kind yeah of, uh, but a slightly cleaner
0: cleaner and reekier yeah
1: um no they were pretty interesting so if you if you share this comment um we will send it to you probably not this month though because um ted's already on it he's already sent you out Another hour whiskey. So um, for that following month. Yes. Have I sent them out of whiskey? <laughs> by the time they listen to this, you will have. Yes. Yeah. I'd love a. I'd love a. The, the problem is, like, we do what we call. um. Well, I say we do. We did. Once upon a time, in our early days, we did what we called wank nights.
0: Ah, uh, yes. Wank nights. uh whiskey appreciation and nosing collective.
1: Yeah, and basically we just got a bunch of friends together and bring bottles and we would share them and we talk about them and yeah, by the end of the night we'd probably have had too many, but that's okay. We haven't got much of a chance to do them recently. What what how good a wank night would it be if we all brought an infinity bottle
0: and yeah, we share them with people? That'd be interesting. So, yeah, what well, It's when it's, it, it's time we had another wank, dude. Yeah, I know. Let's let's all get together for a wank. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, I,
0: I... Just to recap, that is Whiskey Appreciation and Nosing Collective.
1: It, it would be, yeah, it would be enjoyable. Um, satisfying? No, I'm just, It would be um, just interesting to try what different people were able to add up. Like, if Tea was there, it'd just be... it just taste like bourbon, wouldn't it? Yeah,
0: I mean, like... You could add all the bourbon together, and you've got bourbon. Bourbon, yeah. Oh, yeah. Child. That's we the, lo- we love you that's don't the don't come and destroy our houses, yeah, that's the ultimate
1: um sort of flattening off the edges
0: whereas it see someone like like Cleon would be super scientific about it, but it would primarily consist taste like of Campbelltown, yeah. yeah Campbelltown and Bunhaven.
1: yeah so. <laughs> yep, and that's just through weight of numbers, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yep. yep. Yeah, but everyone's going to have something different, and that's the exciting mm. thing. And I, I almost like to think they're an expression of our personality.
0: Yeah. I mean, mine totally is. It was just a chaotic blend of all uh, random Ted, bits and pieces without, without really any thought to it.
1: Ted, 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 you've only done the Peter one.
0: This is true. It's time for you to create... Frank and Pigeon <laughs> <laughs> yes, ah uh, yes, hope hope i'm I've actually made some inquiries, and I'm hoping that Frank and Pigeon will come to life uh, in the near future, so keep keep an eye out for franken Pigeon indeed, indeed, all right then well, I think it's time to knock off, Ted yeah, sadly, it is it's it's the last dregs in my glass. Yep. I'm about to here we go you wa- are you watching? I'm watching Ted's out of whiskey. no, he can't comp- he can't talk anymore.
1: Ah oh, I'm going to go down. to
0: bed so I can go to work tomorrow. Oh, God. But at least this night has made me feel good mm. for a, a, an actual chunk of time, seeing as we waffle on so long. True.
1: Nice mm. right, one. Well, farewell, fellow wafflers. Thank you for being on board this crazy journey that my colleague and I uh, take you on. Like, it's, it's good times.
0: Oh, waffler, my waffler. <laughs> Yeah, thanks for
1: being here. We appreciate it.
0: Yeah, thanks guys. Thanks for listening. Um we love you all, as we you do. Know. We do. Yeah. On that yes.
1: stellar note, it's time to close proceedings. Keep on waffling.
0: And to infinity and beyond.
1: And beyond. And Good also night. within
0: the realms of, of beyond. Good night. Good night. Good night.
1: Whiskey Waffle recommends you drink whiskey responsibly and only if you're above the legal drinking age in your country. Our lawyers made us say that. Or at least, they would have if we actually had lawyers.
0: Stick your nose in? (laughs) I was thinking of something else. (laughs)